whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Welcome to the pregame show for the Gridiron New South Wales 2022 Opal Bowl. I am Stacey Spear. This is the Women in Gridiron show by Mojo Sports. And tonight I am joined by the best in the business, Christy Moran, Danny DeGroote, Alex Barker. Guys, can you believe that we're at the end of the season already? It's just just crazy to me. Danny, how are you feeling after the end of the season? Congratulations on your Gridiron New South Wales MVP award. Thank you. Thank you. Um, look, yeah, um, end of season, all done and dusted. Look, I, it would be nice to come out with the win on the weekend, but um, we just weren't the better team on the day and Rebels have been fantastic all season. So, um, yeah, they were just the better team pretty much all season. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I, you're selling yourself short here, Danny. Like, you're like MVP for you. I And I said this to you offline. I said, you know, watching you play this year has been so entertaining. Like the game that we played against each other this season was one of the best games that I've played in my entire career, you know, um, coming up against you and and your offense as a defensive player this year, like was really interesting for us to play against. So, you know, for you to win MVP, I think you should be so proud despite the fact that you guys, you know, lost out to the Rebels on the week and you guys put in a hell of a season. Yeah, look, I think I had some good points during the season and it was nice actually getting the ball through the air a lot, um, especially for obviously for other defences and stuff to see the ball going through the air and have a different look and having to, you know, actually, you know, do coverage for pass and stuff like that. So I'm really proud of where our team went this season. Um, but, you know, there's always more that we can do individually and as a team and, um, you know, as I'm very grateful for getting, uh, I guess, the nomination and the award. Um, there's we've got many good plays in New South Wales. Um, so there's some big contenders that I think also um, should have got it, but I am great, grateful at the end of the day. That's it. That's right. Christy, uh, you ended up with a bit of an ankle injury on the weekend. Uh, both of us, lower leg injuries, mine broken, yours not so broken. How's things feeling? How's the body? FIFO life. Uh, how was that for you? Look, it does take a toll uh, traveling because most of the travel was done um, same day as games. I came in on the mo- in the morning, really early in the morning, four a.m. start, and I started to feel that towards the end of the season. Hell, I felt it at the start of the season. Um, but yeah, I did a very special K thing. I rolled my ankle by actually standing on my own player's leg in the one opportunity I had to be on defense because you did your leg. So apparently, you made it look cool, and then I did so. I just wanted to follow what Stacey does, really. Um, you teach me everything in safety there. Stacey, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, look, I was like, I came off the field with my leg and uh, next thing I know I turned my head and you're also off the field limping and I'm like, I have no idea what just happened, um, but this is this is not great. Uh, so obviously we went down in a loss to the Raiders on the weekend. Alex, uh, the season that was for us, I mean, we finished four, uh, third overall, epic, epic um, you know, how's the body feeling after the game covered in bruises looking at it at the moment? Uh, yeah, no, I've got bruises all down my arms and my legs. So that's, that's fun, especially going to the office and walking around. People look at you kind of funny, no major injuries, just a, you know, helmet to the wrist, which 
is nothing compared to what other people went through. It's just, you know, chump, cha- uh, chump change. Uh, but yeah, no, just covered in bruises is a good game. I think we kind of went out, went out fighting. And I think that's all you can ask in playoffs. That's exactly right. I mean, for a playoffs round, it was a heck of a day. Um, just just being able to watch the Stars uh, and the Rebels and, uh, you know, and then play the Raiders as well. Like, it, highly contested on both both games, despite the score lines being a little bit higher than uh, the game suggested, I think, for both teams, uh, for, all, for all teams. Uh, it was a good weekend regardless. Before we jump into the bumper show we have for everybody tonight, I just wanted to say that this is our 50th and final episode of the year, and it has been a journey, let me tell you. To be able to come on each week and talk football with some of the most amazing football players in the country has been such a blessing. And guys, I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on this ride this season. Uh, You know, where we started uh, when we started the show to where we are now has been such a huge improvement. And and the the feedback and engagement we're getting has been amazing. Uh, So again, yeah, thanks, Danny. Thanks, Christy. Thanks, Alex, for holding everything together. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having us. And I think um, doing the cross-border thing has also worked out well and kind of shown in this FIFO life that we've now had with football. So I think that's a great thing that we're sort of breaking down those barriers and making sure that uh, we we talk about all the leagues um, and, you know, shine a light so that everyone can see what's going on and everyone's like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think I feel like it's really brought together the community. Uh, you know, we get uh, messages and and people coming up to us at games and talking about the podcast. So it's been it's been really really fun, and I'm really surprised at how successful it's been. And I'm really glad that we can round this out with the final Opal Bowl episode for the year. So let's jump straight into what is going to be a hell of an episode with our first segment tonight: the breakdown. It's do or die. One game. Got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Um, not everything went to plan at all. Uh, and they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It is the breakdown. It's the Rebels v. the Raiders Opal Bowl 2022. And for a bit of context, uh, the last time that these two teams came up against, uh, in, against each other was in the Opal Bowl last season, which went into double overtime. Alex, you were at that game. Uh, I, I mean, I commentated the game and I almost fell off the balcony uh, a couple of times at, at how excited I was about the whole thing. And it's very rare that we see an Opal Bowl or, or a championship game go into double overtime. In terms of how that moment matched up with the prelude of how this game is going to turn out what's the feel in terms of atmosphere and and how how relevant is that last season's feeling uh and result going into this game I think the Raiders are going to come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder I think I think the Rebels can learn from that kind of game and it shows when you're up by a lot you can't get complacent you can't just kind of think that you're going to coast into the final whistle because as we saw in that game it's just not going to happen uh to go double overtime was insane that game was crazy I think everyone was like oh surely we're done now and it just kept going and going and going so I think the Raiders are going to come in a little bit of chip on their shoulder but I think it's definitely a lesson that the Rebels can can take and go okay we need to make sure we're switched on from the start start of the game all the way through the end of the game. And same thing for the Raiders, if they go up as well. Yeah. So in terms of like team history, the Raiders, four Opal Bowl championships, 2015, 2016, 2017. Uh, they had no team in 2018, and then they won 2019. The Rebels, 
2018 loss to the Lions, 2019 loss to the Raiders, 2020 Open Bowl win, and now they're looking to go back to back. Danny, going back to back in championships is difficult. Do you think that the Rebels are going to be able to pull off and, and I guess stay consistent throughout the entire game to be able to pull it off at the end? Or where do you think the big plays, I think all the momentum changes are going to have to happen in order for them to stay on top? Look, yeah, I think it's very doable for them. They've got such a great coaching staff. And I think throughout the year, they've obviously kept it completely consistent in trainings and that's where I think it starts if you're consistent in training and you're you know on top of you're you're rushing to drills you're on on time on schedule everything in a game you're kind of getting more game sim 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 reps of training so everything's you know you're doing everything with with hustle and I think that's where the coaching staff have really helped the rebel the rebels team this year to keep everything um you know staying level and at a high and I think that's going to get them over the line just their absolute kind of intensity um, that the coaches have helped them, I think, maintain this season. Um, and then, yeah, I just think they're just they're just a tough team, aren't they? They're just – they've got some killer players out there. And I think it's – I think that if the Rebels get put on the back foot, it will be quite early and I think they'll be quite flustered. Um, but I still think they're going to be able to dig themselves out of it. Um, you know, their coaching staff are, are great. They'll pull people off when they need to be pulled off if they're not doing the if they're not doing what they need to be doing, and they'll switch it up. And they've got more than capable players. They've got more than enough capable players to rotate um, people on. And I think that's where they're just going to probably pip them, pip um, the Raiders the post. Christy, you've played in quite a number of championships games in your time how important is it to be able to have that depth to be able to interchange players uh in a championship game because as we know the atmosphere is heightened everything goes a little bit faster a little bit harder uh in terms of the depth is that an area that the rebels uh are going to be able to utilize Absolutely. So um, depth means numbers, but um, so it means that there's always a bit more nervous energy expended in a big game like this. You know, everything's on the line. It's the last game. It's the end of the season. You're feeling a bit tired or whatever. Um, so it's it's great to be able to rely on someone to be able to come in with fresh legs, uh, fresh eyes, um, and come in and make an impact, what we call impact or momentum changes. You know I love a momentum changer. But what it also does with depth, um, and numbers means that throughout the year, um, you're, it's more competitive for a starting position. Um, so you have to work just that little bit harder. Um, you have to uh, earn that starting spot and you have to, when you're on the field, you have to earn to stay there. Um, and just that little threat or that little competition can give you, can give an entire um, team that edge. Uh, it also allows a more creativity for the coaches. They get to see what combinations work because there will be um, not just people individually who are able to perform in their role well, but who works well with who, particularly on offense, you know. So uh, what quarterbacks work well with uh, running backs and wide receivers and what, um, you know, tight ends work well with the O-line and things like that. So it allows that creativity and options um, that they can fall back on and that allows for more in-game adjustments and things like that. So it is it's it might seem like yeah yeah numbers allows for fresh legs but it's so much more than that throughout the whole season leading up to the game 
Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, and, it, and that's probably something that I hadn't considered when we talk about depth. You know, the first instinct is to say, yep, fresh legs, like you can just churn through players. Injuries aren't really a worry. But like in terms of, yes, those pockets of people or those, uh, you know, those especially in, in positions like secondaries on defense and things like that, there are going to be players that work better against uh, with each other. So that's definitely something to think about. To me, I think this is a battle across the board, like both teams with a very strong run game, um, but both teams are also consistently able to make huge chunk plays in the passing game. But for me, this game comes down to the game within the game. And I think that that's in the trenches because we've got Outback O-line from the Rebels against Outback D-line in the Raiders with Dale and Rhiannon Lehman. I think that in the trenches is where it's going to be like, it's going to be hard and it's going to be dirty and messy and Alex when we're talking about trench activity like who do you think has the edge over in this one like I mean if we're looking at uh, O-line v D-line who's going to come out on top in this one I don't know (laughs) I think these are two very evenly matched lines I just think they're both I mean I've stood behind an O-line that couldn't get past you know the Rebels um d-line so that was a bit of a struggle and i know that the rebels o-line is sorry the raiders d-line and the rebels o-line is quite good at protecting their quarterback so it's it's hard i, I think it's i don't think there's going to be much movement in between those two lines and i don't see that the d-line is going to be able to get through for the raiders uh, just because i think they're matched for strength yep that's fair completely fair uh i do think that the raiders have a bit of an interesting blitz package that happens uh, especially when they move their safety down into that middle linebacker position and then they run like a too high uh, corner type defense uh, in terms of like blitzing and, and all that sort of stuff Dane's very crafty so I, I, I honestly think that it's going to have to come down to what's going to put the D line um, the O line on the back foot with something that they haven't seen before so I think that's going to be really interesting Moran Casey Cubis and Amanda Ewers both FIFO players from Queensland. And I love the fact that you're on here because you can actually talk to the talk to this point more because you've played with them for such a long time. You know, they play in the same team uh, up in the Queensland League, which was the Griffith Uni's Thunder, but now they're coming up against each other. I'm really curious to see how this plays out, considering that it's usually Amanda throwing to Casey at receiver. But this year... Casey's ripping in at quarterback and at DB. Like, what do you make of this matchup? And for anyone who's listening up in Queensland, what does what are they expecting to see out of this whole uh, this battle? Uh, exactly, we're all keen to watch it as well um, because they have been, had quite the connection up in Queensland, obviously. Um, so you've got uh, Cubis, who, as a DB, just her physicality. She's tall, you know. She can get in the way of that pass. She can, um, you can lose a wide receiver behind her. Um, so there has to be from Amanda if she's passing a little bit blind. She's hoping that her wide receiver will get to the spot that she's aiming for. Um, I think in a in a way, Cubis probably has a little bit of an edge in the sense that she is very familiar with how Amanda plays. Um, in that DB position, she'll be aware of how she's running that huddle. She'll be aware of what her tendencies are or preferences are. So that will give her a slight edge. Um, but DB is not uh, Cubis's natural position, and she would even say that as well. Um, she's she she knows it because she's played the opposing position of wide receiver, uh, and she's an athlete. 
Um, so she'll she'll make a play definitely. And like I said, she's an imposing tall player that can get in the way um, and definitely uh, remove that line of sight. But Amanda is a smart player. She'll adjust if need be. Um, and uh, I dare say she'll be game planning for uh, Cubis being in that DB position. So like you said, we'll probably see things we haven't seen before. Um, maybe a few routes, route concepts that we haven't seen before too, um, given that Cubis is relatively new to the DB position. So I think it'll be really well matched and I think they'll push each other. And I'm really excited for that because I like that because that's when the best plays come out. Danny. Having Cubis as a DB is a quarterback's worst nightmare. Like as as quarterbacks, we're looking and, and Alex too. You know, we're looking for that receiver to pop open. Uh, you know, just at the back of when that DB is just about to turn their hips. You know, that moment where you know, as a DB, you go blind for half a second because you can't see the quarterback, you can't see your player. You're just trying to get your hips around to get back in the right position, and that's the moment that quarterbacks need to look for. But when the DB is six foot tall. Like the trajectory of the ball has to be much higher. Like your angle of of release has to be higher so that it floats at an entire foot uh, over where it usually would. Danny, Alex, how much of a nightmare is is Casey going to be when she's coming up against uh, you know little number twelve for the Raiders, Cheyenne Dickers, who's only sixteen but is an excellent receiver? Uh, how how is that? How how is Amanda? I mean. How, yeah, how's Amanda going to manage that? Because I, I, I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't be looking forward to it. Look, I'm going to say that Amanda's going to have to aim small, miss small, um, you know. And as you were just saying, like, was it Cheyenne? Sorry. Yeah, Cheyenne. Yeah, she's you know, she's she's small, so you know, Amanda's going to have to get make sure that ball ball's tucked in down, you know, down low, aim small, miss small, low. Cubis is obviously yeah six foot, so we don't want anything coming come up coming up above the shoulders kind of area. Um, but then again, also, you can't expect a quarterback to give a perfect ball, you know, every single time. Um, and as Christy was saying, it's, it's DB is not um, Cubis's, you know, normal position. But she'll be super, super smart there, like she was on the weekend, and she can, she'll be able to read Amanda. She'll be able to read probably the receiver quite well, and she'll know if the route's going, like, going you know, on a fly, cutting in, um, you know, she's got that, I think that one, you know, she's like that one step ahead in a way. So I think, yeah, Amanda's just going to have to try and, you know, be smart, aim small, miss small. I also think um, the fact that Cheyenne is so small can actually work um, in her favour um, in that she can hide a bit behind Cubis and Cubis might lose her because um, that will be difficult to keep an eye on her if she is small, given the, the disparagement in um, height. So, Oh, where there's a will, there's a way. Like, yeah, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Alex, do you, are you are you feeling that we might get one of those moments in this game? Like one of one of those, you know, Casey's been you know covering Cheyenne all game, like doing really really well, and then all of a sudden something just pops out and and it pops up for a big play. Do you like in terms of the moments that you want to happen in an open wall? Is that kind of one of those moments that you're going to be looking for to go? Yes, like that's that's the play of the one. That's that you want. That's what you want to see in a championship game. Oh, 100 percent, and I'd be telling her to jump too. Like just jump, fly, whatever you gotta do to get the ball so it doesn't land and give us his hands. That's what I'd be telling her. I mean, it's it's finals football, right? Like you go all out as best you can and, and do what you can to try and catch the ball, and that's what every receiver should be doing. 
But I, I think she will, I, as you said, I think there'll be a play where she just kind of pops out. She gets lost. Like it happens when you're small. You just, people kind of miss you a little bit. So I think there will be that play and they'll be able to capitalize on that. You know what I love about this is that there's so many working parts of both of these teams that like we could just talk for hours on. But honestly, I think that we need to like look at offenses versus the defenses as a whole, right? So in terms of, uh, you know, um, Rebels, O-line versus the Raiders D-line and then you're looking at the offense versus the defense as as a whole Danny we've spoken about the Rebels defense uh quite often you know and they're just relentless like you know you as as a quarterback you're stepping back you're looking straight up and all of a sudden you've got you know Brooke Muggeridge right in your face uh you know you've got Mary Pickering from the D-line just barreling through I mean in terms of how this is going to match up and how how which which is going to win? Like, uh, is it going to be an offense versus defensive battle or are we looking at two evenly matched offenses? Are we looking at two evenly matched defenses? Like, I'm just interested to see where all these moving parts are going to fit into. Yeah, look, it's kind of interesting because I found on the weekend that um, the Rebels secondary was more of a problem. Um, Personally, that's what I found. They They covered our receivers like, a bloody rash like they they held it down they really really did um and I felt like you know their d-line and their linebacker core um didn't play as well as they previously have um and they're a strong unit we all we all know that they're they fl- flow really well they're all at the ball like it's not just one person coming in for a tackle it's three other people that you know swarm in and just come in and hit you like a freight train um and that kind of did happen on the weekend, but I think that where they shone was actually the, you know, DBs um, and safeties area. Um, so it'll be interesting actually to see if they can level that back out this weekend, um, even though we're probably not going to see. So even though then we're not going to really see overly a lot of probably of a pass game from the Raiders, you know, we will see it here and there. Um, but it's, it's obviously going to be more runs. So you'd hope that, the Rebels are going to level that back out a little bit more and have the D-line really coming through really strong like they have some games um, and that lot of those linebackers back as I think coming through making sure there's a blitz. Um, you know, I think that's what you kind of want to see this weekend from them. I think they just need to step up their game a little bit more than what they, what they did the past weekend in that kind of frontline area. Yeah, right. Christy, when teams are so run heavy, like, and we're talking like Raiders, Rebels, both very strong run games. Who has the upper upper hand when it comes to the run when both teams are run strong? I actually think it's the defense um, because if they don't have to respect that pass, they can really come in and jam. Um, and it puts a lot of pressure on the O-line to drive back. Um, and give the running back that space to make a read, see the see the, the gap, make the cut, things like that. So um, that's and that's why there's two types of there's two types of play. Um, basically, there's the run play and the pass play. And unless you're doing both, um, once they start to creep or start to preempt, then uh, you lose that advantage as an offense. Um, so yeah, I I obviously have been in teams that have been pretty much purely run game. 
um, and uh, when I um, came into a team that was run and part like Car Strong obviously was semi Grisalti in Chicago, uh, a very strong passing game, it opened up a whole new world of running game for me. So um, it, it really is if they can get that balance, if either team, either offense can be a threat in the air and on the ground, then defense are just left guessing, really. They are always going to be. And the whole point is offense comes out, they know the play they're going to run and defense, you know, are preempting and they have to adjust. Um, so you're keeping them that one second behind and that's all you need. I mean, I think for both teams, like, we have to talk about their running back room. I mean, for the Rebels, we've got Kiara Ferrant, number 20, outback rep, uh, only her third season. But in terms of performance, every time she got the ball, her yards per carry were impressive. Uh, Majority of the time ending in TDs. Uh, Alex, what did you make of the Rebels running back, Kiara? I mean, you know, we're we're, in terms of uh, she's hard to tackle. From a defensive perspective, sorry, I'm just swatting away mosquitoes right now. Um, she's hard to tackle from a defensive perspective because she's got a really good cut and she's deceptively fast. Uh, but they, uh, the Rebels have only ever used Kiara. So are they at a disadvantage when the Rebel, uh, when the Raiders have, you know, that double backfield? Um, I don't think they're, I think they're at a disadvantage if she gets injured. <laughs> the number she does, because I don't know what they do then. Um, I think... What's what works in her uh, favor is that she's also small, and I think when we're always when defenses are told tackle low, tackle low, tackle low, when you've got to tackle short running backs or just short people that are running in general, you have to get even lower. <laughs> so I think what people tend to do is they tend to wrap up high on her, and she just keeps trucking. When she hits contact, she keeps moving her feet, and I think that's what makes her extremely hard to tackle is that she's not afraid to keep going and keep moving her feet. Um, I think the way to stop her is they have to force her up the middle. I think if you allow her to get outside on the Raiders, she's going to burn you. But if you force her up the middle where she has to probably make more contact than she's used to, it'd be interesting to see what her yards look like and how much production she actually has. Danny, the other option for the running, uh, for the Rebels from a running back perspective is 99 uh, Viglatu and She's quite possibly the most deadly and scary player that I, I've come across in my time. Made me look like a twisty, uh, one of, yeah, like like the corn chip twisty uh, in my body when I tried to tackle her a couple of times. How do you think uh, the Rebels have gone about utilising, you know, the speed and the big? Because they're, they're literally two extremes. You know, Kiara is, is quite short but very fast and Latu is quite large and very agile. Uh, how do you think that they've gone about kind of meshing those two running back styles into this offense? First off, I'd like to say that she's absolutely killer. She is amazing. Um, really, really good to good to watch. Not, not that I like watching her run over my players, but she still is good to watch. Um, but look, I think the Rebels have done an amazing job with um, interchanging them in the right circumstances. Um, obviously, we know that Kiara is a lot smaller. No doubt that she can do the job near goal line and stuff like that. But why wouldn't you put someone in like Latu? Latu? Um, you know, why, why, why wouldn't you? Um, she's strong. She's agile as all hell. Um, and if you need her to bounce outside of the middle's close, if you're running meant to be running up the middle, she can easily do work around the outside just as well as some of our other, you know, speedier backs realistically. 
Um, she's an absolute weapon, and I actually she's the Derrick Henry. Can... She's the Derrick Henry of the women's league. Mm-hmm. Like she's just like if she if she gets to the outside, those poor little corners, stiff armed to next eternity. I tell you, and that is true. Yep, and I think it's going to be a real big push for the Raiders to make sure that they keep her inside if she's, you know, if she's getting a lot of minutes this weekend. Um, we all know that she's really hard to tackle. Even some of the best tacklers um, in our league have have trouble getting her down you know how many times this year can we say that we, we we all tackled her even though she didn't play too many too many games not many um and I think she will be their biggest threat like the Rebels biggest threat through that goal line um area and it might come down to those conversions and things like that so it's going to be where it counts yeah and in talking about like uh you know running back rooms per se like you know the Raiders running back room they've typically run with you know BK Cullen as their big fullback and then Lucy Glogue as their little running back number 33 and she's just got this a really amazing cut uh you know she and what we found was the trouble for us was that uh you know a lot of these runs that the Red, that the Raiders were running were designed to go to like the B gap. So you'd cover the B gap and then all of a sudden, because the Raiders O-line is that good, uh, you know, she's cutting back up A gaps and things like that. So in terms of how the Rebels are going to contain that when it looks like from a defensive perspective that the whole play is going one way and yet that cutback, Christy, like you, you are the queen of it. I saw you break many ankles this season and you've broken mine many times in my career that cutback ability takes, you know, gets the defenses off guard. And and I think is that that's going to, you've spoken very highly about Lucy uh, throughout the season. Like what have you seen from her that's going to be able to get that, that edge over, over the defense on that cutback? So uh, there is absolutely no doubt for a cutback to happen. That's all O-line. So that is every single one of those O-line making their block and, and swinging, swinging that line. Um, so, uh, and I've actually, I, as far, I've seen the Rebels and I really like their drive, their O-line drive on a run play. They really push back. Um, and I expect the same from Raiders. I haven't seen as much of the Raiders O-line, but I already know by just the players that they are, that, that they would do that. They're experienced enough to do that. So that gives um, running backs who have vision, like their running back, um, a, a bit of space to see because often you need to be just a little bit further back, give a bit of space to see what's happening. Now, um, that means when a running back is cutting back like that, that means they're not just, they haven't got blinkers on, they're not just running in the direction of the play. They're actually having a little look around. They've got their head on a swivel. That's called really advanced reading and that's what I love about it and that's why I've, I've raved about her because she knows that the play is meant to go right but she's having a little peek left because she's seeing what her O-line is doing and she's repaying her O-line with good work, with great yards by cutting cutting back. And what happens is the defence can't help but flow because she's running to, to one side um, to only just use those um, those great O-line players that she has in the Raiders team to um, to as a shield, almost like a screen, and, and run the other way. So uh, I really like that. And, yeah, like I said, that's, that's what I've made my career on. And so I kind of get a bit ridiculously excited when I see another running back do that. <laughs> I mean, in terms of, yes, definitely like that, that cutback ability is all down to the O-line because the amount of times that, you know, we played uh, against the Raiders on the weekend was, and, and me at safety, I was getting blocked by the O-line. 
you know, and, and me being the last line of defense, like there was nothing that I could do about it. Uh, and that's where that cutback really destroyed us. Uh, so that's something that the rebels are really going to need to watch for. And again, too, you know, Dane uses so much misdirection in that double backfield combination and combine that with Ewers and uh, Amanda Housen, also known as Ewers, uh, her zone read ability. I think that that makes their offense really hard to defend against uh, when it comes to what's going to happen next uh and and like i've said you know being coached by dane for so long i understand that his offensive offensive philosophy is that his playbook has at least three levels so uh and, and he doesn't go to the next level until the whole team has achieved what they need to achieve so we saw a couple of new things from the raiders that we hadn't seen all season so that to me lends itself to see that they're they're leveling up with their playbook um, so I'm going to ex- where expect I'm expecting to see some really uh, advanced plays coming off that look like other plays uh, that the defense is just going to go, well, what is that? Um, and it's just going to be smash mouth, you know, smash mouth, smash mouth, run it out, pound the rock and then throw over the top. So it's going to, it's going to be a really interesting game. So I, I think we need to do score. Actually, no, we don't. No, we don't. I want to talk about just a couple of other players to watch because there were a couple. We've mentioned Kiara, we've mentioned Lucy, we've mentioned the Raiders O-line. We've talked about the Rebels O-line with Outback Chrissy, Kira and Rue Palu doing a great job this season. Um, Quarterbacks, we've talked about Amanda, we've talked about Casey, but we need to talk about Alia as well because I think adding her into this Rebels offense uh, again, she is that extra running back in the backfield. Uh, you know, her talent is that zone read. And I, I will put it out there. She runs the best zone read that I think I've ever seen in my life. And she's been doing it for a long time. Uh, you know, she pulls that ball. Uh, she's hard to tackle. She took me for five yards. Uh, Chariots of fire style this season. So I think she's one to watch. Alex, players to watch. Who are you looking out for? Um, I'd be a little worried about V. She made my life a little bit of a nightmare. Um, I th- think who is it as well on the Raiders I want to say it's number 11 um she can be a little bit annoying you don't she doesn't really set up in a blitz but she doesn't really set up like she's gonna drop she just kind of holds the outside a little bit so it's kind of hard sometimes to read what she's gonna do because if you don't move she'll she'll kind of come in um but yeah I think those are two players that I'll be watching watching for because I just tend to contain the outside of the pocket and they'll attack when they need to Danny, players to watch. Who are you keeping an eye on this weekend? So obviously all the Rebels players as a whole, we all know, know as a whole they're a big threat. There's a few on the Raiders side, but I do just want to quickly give a shout out. I'll do, do one person is someone that played really well on the weekend who I would think that's going to probably shine this weekend was number 24 from the Rebels. Um, was it Ellie? L? Ellie Games. One of those. There you go, Ellie Games. Um yeah, look, she. I thought she had a really, really good, really good game, and I'm hoping that she's going to continue that on into the Opal Bowl um, and just really shine. She made what I remember her making one crucial, crucial kind of mistake in the game, and she corrected it the next time round. Um, and she, I thought she had a really, really great game, and I think that she's going to be one to watch if she's going to be continue playing that um, outside linebacker position this weekend. If um, they're going to have number thirteen out at safety, if Pierre's not playing. True, you know, and Pierre yeah. not playing could be could be uh, you know a point of contention uh, because Pierre is is such a, a key player. Definitely, um, I also kind of wanted to add uh, number one for the Rebels, Alicia Rowe. She was out with concussion for two weeks, um, but she's she's hard. Uh, you know, she goes up 
really, really hard. She's got great coverage. I uh, have to give her a shout out to Moran. Who do you like the look of? Who are you watching this weekend? Well, you kind of stole my thunder. Uh, but um, on the Raiders, look, um, the O-line, uh, look, and if they, if they can get Amanda time, Amanda's dangerous. Uh, and she too can do a good zone read as well. Uh, she can sell a fake and she will adjust to what she sees and pull and run. She'll run the ball as well. Now, um, Alia, very good at that as well. Um, and she will probably, as a Kibi, get offended when you say that they've got a really good run game. But to me, for a QB, the pass is such a small part of it. Um, and when you've got a QB that will run and will make contact and keep, like, her yards after contact make me as a running back go, oh, that's mild. Um, so I think that's actually a skill set, Alia. Don't worry about that at all. But um, my for the Rebels, obviously, on the defense was number one, um, uh, Alicia Rowe. Um, I think that she covered um, in the past, uh, as a um, uh, in the game last week, very very well, and as a running back, I know that she can get low and make those tackles too. So um, I think she will have an impact game. But thanks for stealing my thunder, safety. I apologize. We were talking about this pregame, and I just completely forgot. I got really wrapped up into what I was talking about, so I apologize for that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give someone else just because I just stole yours. Uh, I have to give a shout out to Cheyenne Dicker. Like a uh, receiver battles uh, for me in this game is going to be really interesting uh, because again, this season has just brought so much excitement and. Um, it, it's really developed the quarterbacks and the receiving game and the passing game and the defensive back game uh, across the league. So it's been absolutely amazing to be able to play against some of these amazing receivers. Cheyenne Dicker, uh, like I said, she's she's a little baby. Uh, she played the first game when she was 16 and she versed the Raiders for the Central Coast when she was playing the Central Coast Sharks. Uh, so she's been excellent uh, so far. Um, so far, she has come with her talent. Uh, on the other side of the ball, um, on the Rebels side, you know, we do have Mackenzie Sevier, who I think has been one of the most underrated uh, receivers uh, for years now. Um, uh, Danny and I were talking and, you know, that chemistry that you get with these receivers when you throw to them as a quarterback is just something special. And and I think that she she's always dependable, uh, short yardage, expect to turn that up. I reckon for a, for potentially a touchdown because all eyes are going to be flowing over to number three, uh, Jen Hawk, who fast uh, gets over the top. So I think that that's where the Raiders are going to be uh, making sure that they're covering deep because Dane will not have anything uh, go over the top of his safeties. Uh, so that's going to be interesting too. Score predictions. Oh, can't believe this is the last one, and there's four of us on the panel, so I have to be a tiebreaker. So that's good. if it comes like that. So I'm a little bit stressed about it. But Alex, uh, show us your wisdom. Lead us into your crystal ball, because for the last couple of weeks now, uh, it's been your call, and everyone at every week has been, you know, praising your score prediction ability. So give it to us now. Where are we going with this? Yeah, I don't really know where it comes from, to be honest. I just kind of throw stuff out there. Um, I see the Rebels scoring first, and I see them taking the lead for sure. But I think I think the Raiders will edge up, and I could see it being like a 42-40 kind of win for the Raiders. And I know I'm probably going to get flack for that, but I see that happening. I do see the Rebels going on in front, but I do see the Raiders being able to sneak it off somewhere. Um, I just think Rebels have to – 
watch their penalties and how much they give away. Yeah, true. Yeah, interesting. Danny, score prediction. Who's taking this one out? This one's tough, really tough. Look, I'd really love to go with my heart on this one and say that the Raiders are going to come up with the win um, by a score also. also. I think they've worked hard all season. I don't think we've seen the best from them yet, um, and I think they, they can easily do it, but I just think that um, there's probably going to just be a few too many slipped tackles. Um, I think the Rebels will get one over them, only by probably – by like maybe two conversions or, or a touchdown or something like that. Um, and I think the score will probably be in the high 30s. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So let's not forget too that the Raiders went undefeated last season and then lost in the championship and the Rebels are coming in in the opposite position now, undefeated during regular season and into the championship. Christy, what's the feel for this one? Score prediction. So what was that? Two Raiders to win? Was that the prediction? Rebels. Two, two okay, Rebels. Uh, yeah, so I think it will be a close game. I think 22-24. I actually I have mad respect for the Raiders team. Obviously, I uh, know some of those players quite well. Uh, obviously, really respect Dane as a coach. I felt they were a little nervous to start with in our game against the Lions, which meant they were a bit slow to start. We may have got that. Well, I think we had the edge over them. Let's not talk about my two lengths of the field touchdowns brought back. Um, but Rebels seem to have this ability to kind of sneak away at the end. They kind of sneak away at the end. Um, so that's why it could go either way. But I am going to say 22-24 to the Rebels. Oh, three Rebels, no Raiders love so far. All right. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, okay, well, I said Raiders. You said Raiders? I said, yeah. I okay. said I'm okay. giving the Raiders some love. That's why I said I know I'm going to get flagged. Okay. Oh, okay. It's 2-1. Okay. Two one. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm going to go the Raiders, but I also think that it's going to be um, tight. So I don't think necessarily two points in it. I think that like around the 20, 28, 22 mark could be the go, but I think it's going to come right down to the wire. And, and, you know, I love, I love those stories, especially in movies where, you know, it's it's the game and it's tight all game and it's like the last two minutes and, you know, all of a sudden something magical happens and then the underdog wins and, you know, that that whole love story. I love that. That's that's my jam. That's what I live for. That's why I play sport. Um, so that's what I'm going for. It's going to come down to the very, very last couple of minutes, if not the last minute or so, um, and then the Raiders will take it out. And I'm, I mean, look, I'm going to, I'm going to even go so far to say that, uh, you know, sealing it could be an Amanda Ewers sneak into the end zone, completely possible. So I think that's how it's going to turn out. We're going to find out on the weekend. Uh, and, you know, uh, anyone who's listening to or watching the live stream, because it will be live stream, will be hearing the lovely Alex Barker uh, commentating the game along with Beck Balden, who uh, was on our show earlier this year, took some time for maternity leave, uh, couldn't join us tonight, but she will be on the Gridiron New South Wales live stream for the Oak Wall this weekend, Saturday, 9am. Very early game, very early game, 9am championship game. Whoa, I mean, you got to get up super early, like, Moran, you probably be used to it. FIFO life now up at 4 a.m. start. So this this would be this would be easy for you. Like, yeah, 
this is a good game for us, but nine o'clock is going to be a bit rough. Uh, so I think we'll see some rust in the first couple of snaps or two, but then it, it will come together after that. And hey, we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Let's wrap this up with our final segment tonight. I know it's been a long one, but I, I don't think that we can go past just giving a shout out to a couple of memorable moments this season. So rapid fire tonight is memorable moments of the season. Uh, Alex, kick it off. Memorable moments of the season. What do you got? Um, I think it's just kind of having the the fly and fly out players kind of join the comp. I think I think that really lifted the competition um it lifted the play for all the teams that that were able to play with those players um it lifted my spirits I enjoyed my coffee runs in the morning picking up Christy and Cody (laughs) um so yeah I think for me that was just kind of the highlight of my season having those players come in that experience um and watching people that that share that passion for the game Danny uh memorable moments for the season Mine's also not quite a full individual one, but mine is actually seeing all the rookies this year um, actually quite stick it to all the veterans um, and not really look like, um, you know, they were rookies, I think. I think everyone played really well and I, you know, I'm just, I think the first thing is that everyone's, from what I understand, all rookies are coming back next year. So that's my best kind of memory, most memorable moment is that, yeah. We've got players coming back. <laughs> that is so good to hear. Also, remember all moment, Harry Potter reference, if you don't get it, but also love the word, going to start using that. Um, yes, rookie players coming back is such a huge thing. Uh, you know, it, recruitment doesn't stop. So for anyone that's listening to this uh, now, uh, remember this for when we're talking about football again in a couple of months, always be recruiting always be recruiting, talk to people at the bars, talk to, give someone, give people these episodes to listen to just so they can hear about our community and how awesome this game is. So rookies need to come back for our sport to keep growing. So that is excellent news. Christy, highlights from the season, memorable moments. Well, the memorable moment for me, um, so I had probably a different intent as a fly-in, fly-out player, and that was to um, just uh, help uh, the running back. So I got to work with Ramona, Ramona from um, the Lions team, who was a running back, um, a, a fairly rookie running back as well, very good player. And I think my favourite moment for her, unfortunately, um, it didn't go to plan. So I played, ended up playing a lot more than I was I was intending. Um, instead of sort of mentoring her, um, she did get a, an ACL injury, which um, which is which is devastating, of course. And she's taken it like a total champ and turned up to every game and training and all of that sort of stuff like a great player that she is but um she I guess the the silver lining in that is that she got to watch me who's played for many many years um do some things that are based on a lot of experience and she came up to me at one point and said um oh you know, you did so great. There's no and it was mainly to do with the cutbacks, but there's no way I could do what you just did. And I turned around and looked at her and I got this great coaching moment that where I said, why? You're faster than me. You're the right running back size. You're small. Um, you're athletic. You know, what? what is it about me that that's different from you? There is nothing different. It's just that you 
you, you've limited yourself in thinking that you can't do that. So now that you know what can be done, and I could see in her face that immediately her mind started to tick, well, well actually, or maybe I can, you know. Um, you know, I'm 42 freaking years old. There's no reason why no no, no one else can do what, what I'm doing. So it's just a matter of, you know, you don't have to, if it's a run left, yeah, sure, start that way, but, you know, read, react and run. So um, that was a really great moment for me and that was the whole purpose of me coming down. Um, I didn't get to be able to coach her and show her that she could do it, but I could show her that it can be done so that she can learn when she's better to do it as well. And as a, as a FIFO, I just want to take a moment to um, say uh, on behalf of, I hope they don't mind, but on behalf of all the Queensland players and the Victorian players um, that have come in, um, that we are very thankful for the opportunity. Um, it can be a bit daunting having people come in, take your, take your game time and things like that, but there was uh, I certainly didn't feel that at all. We were um, welcomed with open arms. And, you know, there was talk about, and I was talking to a few coaches down there, there was this fear of, you know, a bit of a false economy being developed through us coming through, which is a fair enough thing and something that we don't want to create. But um, but that's only if you think sort of quite narrowly and just um, in the state. So, But if you think wider, for us, you know, it was devastating that we didn't have a league. And I know it was devastating for the, for the Victorian players. Um, and for you guys to have a, a career path in football that is nationals and states and all of that sort of stuff, you do need the Queensland players to keep playing and you do need your Victorian players to play. So I think that uh, it may be a false economy in that small, but it's actually building an economy in another way. So um, uh, we are really grateful for the opportunity. We're grateful to come and 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 add value, hopefully, to people who actually were willing to listen. So that was great as well. We didn't feel like we we're stepping on toes. We felt, felt like we could add value um, and we felt like we can give this legacy of a love of a game that we have, which is what it comes down to. So from us to you guys, Thank you very much for having us. Oh, my God. I keep saying to you guys, like, I have this real. So thank you. Uh, thank you for having us. Um, has has a triggering effect for me for some unknown reason. It's probably some sort of past trauma. But every time that I would talk to any of the FIFO players, it'd be like, thanks for having us. I'm just like, you guys, you coming down has been such a good thing for our league. Like us veterans who have been playing for so long, to be able to play against you guys week in, week out, as opposed to just seeing you guys at nationals has has been amazing because we're all such good mates, you know? So And, and I think that that really translated across the league, uh, the, the love that we have for each other as a football family uh, and, and how that's all worked out this season has been really, really awesome. Uh, for me, memorable moments, Danny, the game that we played against each other is probably going to be a highlight of my career. One of the most exciting that I've ever been a part of. Uh, great game to be had uh, from all, all round for sure. Um, other highlights, I mean, you know, we were, Danny, our team was similar to yours. You know, we were very low. We brought together a team uh, that was failing up in the Central Coast. Uh, and then still even then, we lost so many to injury this year that we were playing with 10 on the field at times. So for me, that I've never, I haven't played a season like that before. Um, but to do it with, with a team that was just so willing to go above and beyond uh, for each other was really, really special. And I finally, finally, in 10 years of playing, finally tackled someone low like when we say tackle low like I actually did it so that is my highlight and I don't think anyone um, who doesn't play defense or, or doesn't know what that feels like understands how much of a mental game that was for me um, and to get it done in, in the fashion that I did scorpion poor re 
uh, you know, she sent me a message after she's like, you got me so good and sent me a screenshot of her on a face. So she took it pretty, really, pretty well. Uh, so that, that was really good as well. But guys, last episode of the year, Opal Bowl, uh, end of the season done. Uh, we will be back for season three uh, next year. We're going to take a bit of a break. We're going to do some planning. We're going to get all our ducks in a row and wait for the news from GA around what is happening with nationals and future competition for us. We will come back next year to cover the GW um, final series. So we'll be back for that. Uh, But again, this is our 50th episode. uh, And I just wanted to thank all the fans, everyone who's downloaded, everyone who's subscribed, everyone who's commented, everyone who's posted something on Instagram, everyone who's messaged us, every guest that we've had on, every team that we've covered. I know we didn't get the whole way around Australia again, but we have, we can do that again next year. Um, And we have so many guests that you guys have recommended for us to get in contact with. So we're going to be doing that and we're just going to go next level next year. Uh, I think we've done a really good thing uh, this year and I think the community is really grown and really inspired and and really empowered uh, now that there's a voice uh, and and I know it's mine. So I really want some more contributors uh, to jump on at some point, but it's, it's, it's been a riot. You guys, I can't believe this is it. Uh, Christy, Danny, Alex, I'm going to miss talking to you guys every single week about football. What are we going to talk about now? Are we still going to have a, a zoom? Should we just like dump on a zoom and, and just have a coffee or a wine every Sunday night? Is that what we're going to do? Well, I'm already having a wine. So <laughs> we can talk about cats. Ah. I'm going to all do rehab together at the same time. Sounds good. That, that's true. We are <laughs> all injured. Exactly. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, Alex, we're going to hear you on Saturday. We are keen to see the game. Uh, everyone jump online, jump on the on the live stream. We'll post it up as soon as we have details. I'll chuck it in the link on the Women's Gridiron Leagues of Australia bio so you can see it there. Uh, but until next time we see you guys, uh, have a Merry Christmas. Stay safe. Enjoy football. Do all the presents. Uh, and, yeah, see you guys next year. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.